Hi everybody and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and I have a very special guest today. I'm absolutely, I feel really quite privileged really to be able to talk to who I'm sitting here with today. It's Tankred Stöbe. He is an emergency doctor with Doctors Without Borders and yeah, we get a chance today here to sit in beautiful Pontresina and chat to one another. Tankred, it's a really, it's a privilege to talk to you. How are you? Thank you, Aurelia. Same for me. I was so lucky to have a presentation from you yesterday about your work in very general. Would you be so kind? I think, you know, it says it all at the beginning. You work for Doctors Without Borders. But can you give us a little bit of a background, what that entails? How long have you been doing that? Kind of get us a little bit into the picture of your daily, or not daily, but often um, routine with that work. Yeah. Well, I think to start with, it is the non-routine and the very uniqueness of um, humanitarian work, which um, which I think attracted me in the first place, which is uh, 20 years ago. Um, and um, <clears throat> each each context, each each crisis um, or war is is very different. And and still, you see common rules, common common cruelties, common uh, things also how to behave or not to behave in such a situation. And yeah. um, I'm now just back from just a few days back from Ukraine, uh, where I've been um, already before in summer, last summer and now again. And it is interesting to see also the progress of that war, how it is um, affecting the population, um, how the, the society is dealing with that, um, how we are as an organization adjusting to the realities on the ground yeah. um, and uh, it is of course the very unique thing is that we i think like like almost everyone did not expect to have a have a war again in europe um and we're facing different things in ukraine which we don't see in afghanistan yemen um south sudan and other places yeah so starting with with a with a strong winter where where people um are freezing yeah. and um uh, need heat, need water, need uh, food and um, accommodation more than in many other places where where the temperatures are good enough to not caring about um, not freezing. Uh, right, right, yeah, of course. Can you, uh, yesterday you already, so I, I kind of know a little bit more background already, you know, what I found really interesting and I didn't really think about it in that context is that you set the scene yesterday to say that Ukraine as a as an area to work in at the moment geographically and of course with everything that's going on is relatively safe for workers like yourself can you can you explain that to us a little bit yeah um, because this is something it affects all humanitarian aid workers yeah. uh, going to Ukraine that they have tremendous difficulties explaining, defending this at home to yes. family and friends of because course, they all yeah. think you're not going into a war, you go straight into hell and you're probably not coming yeah. back. Yeah. That's the perception. And um, and of course, if you see the pictures and if you see the death toll of that war, it yeah. is all true. It is an extremely bloody, deadly war. And um, if you are a soldier on the front line, um, there is nothing to... Yeah, um, I don't know. There are no clear figures because this is all military secret. Uh, mm -hmm. But the ratio of how many go into this war as a soldier and how few coming back, um, the ratio is not good. It's um, awful. Yeah, it's awful. But we don't know the exact figures. But it's very different to humanitarian workers because, of course, we are not going into the front line knowing that this is just too deadly and too risky uh, for us. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, yeah, the interesting thing is, and and it's 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 an area which is quite well explored now. So we we know that the the vast 
majority of incidences happening to aid workers uh, abroad are uh, road traffic accidents, yeah. Yeah. Um, which are, I mean, in winter and closer to the front line, it is more dangerous yeah, because there are the military rules and there is no traffic rules applying as, as they do in the rest of Ukraine. But otherwise, that's a safe country, good roads, uh, almost a perfect um, uh, train system, um, which runs extremely effectively and efficient. Um, so this is not a problem in Ukraine. The next big thing for, for as, as, as risks are severe diseases like a severe malaria, which, of course, don't don't happen in Ukraine. Right. Yeah. And then there comes the classic risk, which we always consider. It's the um, shootings, the bombings, the landmines, the kidnappings. Yes. Yeah. Um, out of those um, shootings are with with 70 percent by far. Um, the biggest threats, globally speaking, but no one comes with a Kalashnikov to MSF in Ukraine, at least not now. Yeah. Um, so the, the big threats are bombs, bombings, uh, wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, everything else is not applying to Ukraine. So compared to Yemen, Afghanistan, South Sudan, um, for us, uh, Yemen is, uh, sorry, Ukraine is, is, a, is a fairly safe country, um, but it is very still very difficult to explain that um, because the pictures of war are, are yeah, so strong. Of course. So you've been there twice now, and relatively long too, right? Like th- last time you were there three weeks, I think before that five. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What keeps you? Uh, sorry, the term might be really off, but I have no better one. What keeps you hopeful? Like, wh- why do you go back? It, it seems like. Such a, I mean, you know, it, it, what the the pictures we see, as you very rightfully point to, are so cr- cruel and mm. awful. And of course, the you know urge to help is one thing, but I think there must be something like a hope feeling, or that there's some mm. light at the end of all of this. Well, um, I think we all, as humans, we hope. Um, yeah. <laughs> but as humanitarians or a humanitarian doctor. Um, I'm not going into a crisis or a war because I hope it's going to end. I do hope it's going to end sooner than later, but... um, That's not the driver. We are, we see our role in being there whilst there is no political solution, knowing that we cannot deliver a solution. We are there to help primarily the civilians, but everyone who's sick or injured, we Mm -hmm, do help. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, In in the meantime, that there is no peace and there is no solution to this war. Mm -hmm. Knowing that... As a, as a neutral, impartial, independent organization, we are not there to broker peace. We are not even able to do sure. this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but there's a lot for us to do in that, in that gap or in that time span between the start of that war and, and an ending, which we all don't know when that's going to happen. Right. We talked about yesterday also, that, and I want to touch on that, what sort of your biggest prohibitors are for your work, right? Like your personal, of course, but also for, for the organization. Is it, you know, the lack of funding? Is it the lack of possibilities to go into crisis areas? What is the thing that you would say presents the biggest challenge for you to operate and to do the best work that you can? This um, very much depends yeah. on the context. Um, yeah. In Ukraine, actually, it is access. Um, access once uh, because we we normally understand our role being in the front line being doing war surgery in a war which in ukraine is um, is is not possible because the ukrainian um, health system and the military system keep that for themselves which we of course uh, tolerate and accept right, yeah. um, access also to population in the front line there are t- still tens of thousands of people living right in the front line of that war 
who say we will not be leaving these places because this yeah. is our home. We mm -hmm. have, um, that's all we have. If we leave our houses there, they will be taken over or destroyed or both. Um, so we want to stay there. And those people are completely cut off from everything, um, uh, sort of electricity, food, medications. Um, so to trying to help them is quite a challenge because that forces us to get very close to the front mm -hmm, line. Mm -hmm. Um, we also try to help with mobile clinics, um, thousands of people with chronic diseases, um, hypertension, diabetes, lung diseases who um, who need support, and which are now we see with the, with the sort of the health system has gaps, has um, insufficiencies, um, and this is one of the big ones are the chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. Another area where we and, and I was personally responsible for was the or the amputees. Um, we said we we realized that people who lost an arm or legs or, or more than this um, after one week after that injury they qualify for an individual approach for uh, stabilization for muscle joint um, mobilization but then also prosthesis working handling that prosthesis um, and um, there is no up-to-date care for this available in ukraine so we do this we have done more than 3,000 physiotherapy sessions um, with people who lost limbs. Incredible, that's, yeah. That's very important because these people, um, usually they're young, they're mobile, and they, of course, for them, it's a complete different life now yeah, without sure. an arm or leg. Yeah, that, that brings me to a question of, of, again, it stays with the sort of organization of all of that. I, I'm imagining that that needs a particularly composed team, right, that might be different to... A crisis in you mentioned Yemen some somewhere else. How do you go about that as an organization? How do you, for the lack of a better term, recruit? How do you mobilize? How do you get the the staff, the team together to really work efficiently? Imagining I'm a doctor, or I'm not. Maybe even also important, right? Like how can how how do you assemble this? Mm. Yeah, um, first we identify the needs in the country mm -hmm. or those which are not addressed mm -hmm. uh, in, in Ukraine. So mm -hmm. physiotherapy, mental health, chronic diseases. Um, and then we, we, we sort of get those specialists into the country. For example, I've, I've worked with one of our physio um, specialists, uh, Sudan from Nepal, um, an extremely competent man uh, who's able to oversee uh, 10 patients with amputees uh, at the same time he exactly sees who needs what wonderful yeah. um, he has seen 300 patients himself in the last few months extremely good at dealing with these things also having an, a personal emotional um, relationship with these patients so they they really admire his work um, so an absolute fantastic man to work with and um, but getting those people into the country um, getting them into the hospitals of course we have to build up trust we have to build up a relationship with mm -hmm. those institutions and then they tell us very clearly we don't have that kind of skills here because we have a very different kind of sanatorium work where we put people for weeks but they are not receiving that kind of specified and, and individual physiotherapy care which they need um, which the patients need now Mm -hmm. um, same goes with logistics, same goes with coordination. Um, so by now we have uh, around 800 staff in Ukraine. Um, 
and usually it is um, nine out of ten is uh, people from the ground and of course in ukraine we find very qualified doctors nurses whatever we ask mm -hmm. for and then we only need a few international people there to uh, make sure we apply the msf rule standards um, uh, prevent corruption all those kinds of things mm -hmm. um, and uh, so for me this this january i was asked to do some teaching and training for our doctors and nurses close to the front line because they have dealt with primarily uh, chronic diseases until now but now we want them to also deal with acute diseases and that's my specialty so i could help the reactivity is really interesting to me right we talked about that yesterday a little bit or you we did not talk about you talked about this in your presentation and i i really you know sort of mental marker on that that sort of the the reaction by the organization to go into areas where of course it's needed that that sounds very obvious but I, for example, during the time of uh, COVID, um, that you broadened your reach by 20 countries. So is, that, is that right? 20 countries. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? This sort of like identifying the moments where the work is needed, what is needed on the ground, and, and how does that go about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talking talking to you, knowing a little bit um, the background of, of your working space and, and the listeners here. Um, of course, also the financial sector, you, you have to react on things which you can't predict. Mm -hmm. But there is a certain element of planning, of course, in our worlds here in, in, in Western Europe, mm -hmm. um, which uh, is for the most part of us is the normal life. Yeah? We, we are not dealing with the unexpected. We are dealing with the rules we know. Um, right. In humanitarian aid, that's the opposite. Uh, we d we never know what's going to happen. I mean, the war, nobody, uh, hardly anybody could predict. Um, yeah, yeah. So we always um, deal with, with the unexpected and try to adjust to this. Um, COVID was, was a major issue for the last three years for us. Interestingly, I was involved very early on in January 2020 when wow. it was still um, mainly in, in China. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to Asia, I went to the surrounding countries, which was very interesting because even back then, I wasn't sure whether that virus will get ever beyond Asia. Um, right. And then, of course, we faced all the logistic problems, uh, shutdown of flights, uh, all our logistics were hugely challenged. Um, and then we were very... Uh, sort of concerned about all those vulnerable population in Asia, but then around the world who anyway are prone um, to diseases. But now with that virus that affects people who have uh, a weaker immune system. Yeah. Um, and that led us to interventions in countries like even the US, Brazil, yeah. other c countries, which normally do have quite a, or, uh, an excellent health uh, system. But COVID, we realized uh, they have a high number of um, neglected population within their countries uh, where we felt our role is needed. Hmm. And at the moment, I mean, obviously Ukraine presents a very acute and very severe moment of, of, of crisis and, and your help is needed there or your work is needed there. Where else at the moment are such centers that we might not, that might not be at the forefront of our attention? Because it is, of course, also, you touched on that, your role as an organization is also to speak out on behalf of those who can. So you are obviously you know, in the know of, of these moments of, of severe crisis that we that might not even reach us, right? Like on a, in a broader sense. Yeah, thanks Aurelia for that question. Um, because I think this is very, very important that um, Ukraine is is important, it's gruesome. Um, and we, we don't ever think or even saying that we should have less attention to this, to this war, um, but we should not forget other crises uh, because of that war. Mm -hmm. um, and as we speak, um, there's a huge um, security and health crisis in Haiti, yeah. 
ongoing, um, one of the most troubled areas in the Western Hemisphere. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of violence, um, poverty, uh, natural disasters, medical disasters going through that island um, every other week. Mm -hmm. um, Pakistan is still under, under trouble with the floods. Um, South Sudan with uh, huge impacts of climate change and, and many parts of the country underwater. Uh, Congo with current um, rebel fightings and, and the civilian population under threat. So there are multiple crises and of course Yemen, Afghanistan um, uh, we, 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 we deal with um, and those we should not forget. Um, uh, because it's always the civilians who suffer from whatever kind of um, bad politics or lack of politics or natural disasters there are. Um, and I think we all hope that one day we reach uh, a sta a status in the world where, where countries can sort of care for themselves. Unfortunately, we are not there yet. Um, we need to keep up that solidarity, the global solidarity, um, that those who have the means can help those who, um, who need them. So um, I would like to get out of that, but um, it's still probably the best model we have to to balance out a little bit the injustice, the, the lack of healthcare, the lack of access to healthcare in so many parts of the world. This notion of solidarity is really obviously extremely touching. When people now listen to this and they're not from the medical field, in terms of helping, I know this goes way beyond some level of like volunteering, right? But if somebody, you know, might think about, can I help, <laughs> you know, can I be a part of this? How could one be a part of this? I mean, obviously donating. I think that the financial mm -hmm. part of it is insanely important. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, We constantly look for people who are uh, able and willing to engage also with, with their work. Um, and uh, apart from the name that suggests that uh, Doctors Without Borders only work with doctors. Exactly, um, yeah. Uh, even if you have no medical background, um, if you're a coordinator, if you're a spokesperson, if you're a manager, if you're a logistician, um, many, many um, uh, occupations are extremely useful to, to um, in, in humanitarian settings. Yeah? So um, just go to the website of your country, of MSF, and then find out what, what's needed at the moment. Um, that's the most... Uh, direct uh, impact and support you can give. Uh, it also involves you fundamentally into uh, humanitarian um, exchange, mm -hmm. which also I, I want to mention is, of course, going far beyond medical care. Um, yeah. it, is, it is such a learning experience to go to countries which you maybe otherwise only know from the media. And mm -hmm. then you go there and you talk to the people yourself and you, you get different views. You get a much broader understanding of a conflict. Um, And um, yeah, as we said in the beginning, it's not life risking to join MSF. It is, it's, it's a life experience of, I would say, nine out of 10 cases. It's extremely um, uh, yeah, enriching. Um, it is um, life changing in a good way. You feel again a sense why, why we are here mm -hmm. <laughs> in our lives. So um, yeah, that's the, the easiest. Well, no, it's the probably the diffi most difficult one to in order because you have to change your life in, in a way to free yourself up, apply at the organization, be accepted, be, be able to go. Um, it's the most fundamental way to, um, to support. 
uh, humanitarian aid and then of course you can do other things like i mean talking about not not neglecting not forgetting about those people in the way we just do it here now today mm -hmm. um that those people are not getting the feeling well we are we are in a big trouble here and the world doesn't even care yeah um, yeah the world should care and yeah. we do yeah a fantastic notion i also if i may add because i've i've heard you speak about this now often what encourages me so deeply and what fills me with hope in a lot of ways is how you speak about all of these moments right there's there's such a sense of i don't know ease with it right like the situation is as, as it is and how you describe the instances it's not you do not seem traumatized you do not seem broken you know despite the things that you that you see and it fills me with so much uh, i don't know empathy you can listen to these things in such a different way when they're presented in the way that you do and the way that you speak about it. Yeah, it is um, because we always think of those crises as as terrible and, yeah. and, and gruesome and deadly. And of course it is for those who are directly affected to this. But in the midst of trouble and, and diseases and, and death, there is so much hope and there's so much yeah. hum, humanity, hu, human, human touch, human thinking, human solidarity. Um, when I was in Dnipro now, in, in, um, in this big city in, in the east of Ukraine, and there was this terrible bombing of a huge uh, residential house where... where Close to 50 people got killed, uh, more than 80 badly injured, uh, still dozens missing, missing. And within hours, you saw um, this house, nine-story house, collapsed. Um, a huge solidarity. Yeah? People go there, bring their clothes, people bring food. Um, so you, in the midst, you, it almost became a campus of help. Uh, solidarity uh, local locally made uh, we we added the medical part yeah, so we put two ambulance cars there with electricity uh, warm room in, in in the middle of that where people could just go and tell their stories to feel not alone sometimes <clears throat> and and that and the power of um, the sort of the it 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 almost sort of un dismantles the human as as what we really are yeah mm -hmm. despite all the clichés the clothing the 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 language barriers the maybe cultural differences different religions gender whatever in in an in a acute moment of crisis that all kind of falls apart and we 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 can reach each other as human beings and for me this is one of the most beautiful elements of humanitarian um, aid that you that you get to those real questions um, we we face, but we don't have to face them in in Switzerland and Germany and other parts of Europe every day because we are so settled. Yeah? We mm. we are dealing with numbers and strategies and details, um, and that's good. It shows how safe and and well our lives usually are set up. Um, but it is extremely rewarding to come back to I think what we are as humans. Mm. And I guess the, the 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 sort of human response to moments is also so comparable then right like we, i'm imagining that what you're seeing across the globe in different moments of crisis is probably connected right probably yeah. people right? yeah it doesn't matter whether you suffer in afghanistan or in south yeah. sudan or in in libya yeah. uh, we are it, it, we, we humans are as all living beings we in the end we are quite simple <laughs> quite simple uh, yeah 
elements in this world. Yeah? We we need we need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need someone to hug. We need a, a decent ways sort of to earn money to have families. Yeah? I mm -hmm. mean, the, these basic requirements and needs are universal. They are yeah. not they are not very different. And we and we also grow more and more. And I see that now over a span of 20 years. We grow together. Um, when I started with MSF, I remember even the tsunami in Southeast Asia, which was a uh, extremely global um, uh, moment of solidarity. But still, that happened in from European point of view, far away places. And, yeah. and, and most, uh, if 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 I look at crises in, in in African countries, this usually is an exotic place somewhere. Hardly ever one, everyone, anyone ever goes uh, traveling. Um, But uh, if we look at current crises, and, and you mentioned uh, COVID-19, that affected every single country. Yeah. If we look at cri the, the climate crisis, there's no country spared by this. And now this war, even so it happens basically between two countries, among the roughly 200 countries around the globe, there is not a single country which doesn't see huge consequences from this war yeah. you know, with the rising food prices uh, and, and, and all this. Yeah. So w since a couple of years, every crisis almost hits the global sphere and we do really live in a, in a global village uh, and we cannot and should not uh, forget that if we, if we don't show that kind of solidarity, uh, it, it gets only worse. It's like a chronic disease. Yeah? If, we, if we don't treat what, what starts as a chronic disease, it becomes acute and deadly. So we are better off um, dealing with those global challenges. Early, the earlier, the better to avoid um, the exacerbation of those conflicts and, and yeah, consequences. Tiger, before I let you go, is there anything that you feel we didn't touch on that you want to share? Something that's maybe unknown about the organization, something that, you know, feels still close to your heart that you want to share with us? Um, I think we spoke about maybe, maybe the one thing, and because I hear that quite often, that people say, you know, I, I can't listen to the news anymore. It's all too terrible. Um, and I want to I wanna sort of exclude myself from all this. Yeah. I just need peace of mind. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, there is no good recipe to say, um, do this and this. But I think to to be interested in what happens yeah, and to, to develop a knowledge, um, also going to places. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, thinking we should, we should not stop traveling even so we have to find means how to, yeah. to do that in a, in a good way, but go to people, yeah, exchange with others. Um, uh, there is nothing foreign in this world. Yeah? We just <laughs> have to build bridges and, and, and reach out to other people yeah? and, and don't let that go because if we... If we exclude us, yeah, if we think we want to be in a, in a, in a small uh, private bubble, um, that certainly doesn't help. Yeah? Yeah. And, and, and there is so much more interest and fun, even fun out there. Yeah? Mm. But there's also a lot of um, human kindness. And uh, so um, maybe that would be my, my last um, uh, comment here too. Um, don't feel threatened by the world. It's a, it's a great invitation to, um, to reach out to others. Oh, that's such a beautiful notion to end on. Tagret, honestly, I, it sounds tried. It sounds a little cliche, but just thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing all of this. Thank you for the work that you do. It's just inspiring. It's wonderful. And I think, you know, this little glimpse in this format, thank you for taking the time to, to share this with us. It was really, really touching. Thank you. Thanks, Aurelia. And we thank you, of course, as always, for listening. We hope that you have a beautiful weekend now and a pleasant week. We're back with more from Bergers now on Friday. Bye-bye.